Welcome in. It is the Chief Zone Podcast. My name is Farzim Nasugi, and I greatly appreciate you taking time to download and listen to this episode of the podcast. A lot to get into here on this episode. A major update in the Tyreek Hill investigation. Uh, a lot has unfolded over the past eight to nine days with this story, but this past Thursday, uh, Thursday afternoon, we learned a lot. And the update we got has taken a turn in the story, and it's good news for Tyreek Hill, so we will talk about that. Some other Chiefs news as well to get into. Chris Jones not attending voluntary practice. Keep in mind it's voluntary, but I think it's still worth discussing, and I'll mention why. A pair of Chiefs, Jamal Charles and Derek Johnson, signed one-day contracts with the Chiefs and have officially retired from the National Football League, both retiring as a member of the Kansas City Chiefs. Plus, Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, they have some really cool uh, contests, uh, so some some sponsorships coming up, and I think they're both uh, worth getting into. And would they be worth signing up for? Uh, that, I think, is an interesting topic that I'll, t- I'll touch on later on as well. Also, uh, one local media outlet leaked Patrick Mahomes' address out on the internet and a lot of frustration. Some people also defending the station saying that it is public information and that it's out there and it's not a big deal. So we'll talk about that a little bit. Also, we'll do our closing segments. Uh, this time we will for sure. Didn't do that last time. Uh, talk a little bit about the NFL draft and also one former Jayhawk getting a lot of attention and the NCAA with some big news involving its stance on sports betting, plus one man got beat up because he gave out spoilers to a crowd of people for Marvel Avengers Endgame. All of that and much more here on this episode. Again, I greatly appreciate you guys taking time to download and listen to the episode. I am on social media, facebook.com slash Farzin That is a Facebook page. Give it a like. Follow me on Facebook. You can also follow me on Twitter at Farzin21. And make sure you are subscribed to the podcast. We are out there on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Podbean, and please make sure you are sharing them as well. Greatly appreciate those who have been doing so. Uh, I apologize for this episode coming out a little bit later than expected, uh, but given the uh, Tyree Kill news, the update there, I thought it was best to wait on this a little bit more to see if we were going to get any more updates on Friday. Turned out not to be the case, but still, uh, I thought it was worth waiting a little bit because this story has unfolded uh, pretty quickly. So I appreciate those who have been patient uh, waiting for the podcast. I know I said Wednesday or Thursday. Instead, we're coming out late Friday night, early Saturday morning, depending when you're listening. So I appreciate everyone being patient with that. Uh, And I've got to say, and I'll get to the update and really what this means legally and from a uh, a chief standpoint, but I've got to say, if there's anything that's consistently surprised me with this story it's just how fast this information's come i know we waited for about a month uh maybe even a little bit longer wondering what's going on and then once the da had his press conference the audio came out and then there were several other updates and now this new update with the attorney and the letter that he had sent to the nfl uh this uh the wheels have been moving pretty quickly on this a lot faster than i thought uh, and perhaps that's good news because let's be honest, I, I think as fans, we all want to see this come to an end so we can know what's going to happen to Tyreek Hill and his 
football future, and I am sure Tyreek Hill, more importantly, wants to know what's going to happen with him, uh, his football future, with his fiance, uh, and more importantly, uh, out of everything else, his his child. Uh, so a lot to um, to think about right there, and uh, looks like the end of this whole thing may be coming to an end very soon. So let's get right into it. What happened this week with all of the updates with Tyreek Hill? Let's go in order since we last did an episode of the podcast. If you remember last uh, episode on Monday, we had Ellen Mathis on. She did a great job helping us break down everything we knew up to that point. And the last thing we knew was the audio. That was the big story. And the Chiefs took a wide receiver with their first draft pick. And that led me to wonder, are the Chiefs, Ready to part ways with him, or are they doing this just to be prepared? Uh, well, it turned out that there's a big turn in the story. Uh, let's first start with what happened, I believe, on Monday or Tuesday. KCTV5 ran a story earlier in the week about a 911 call in which Crystal Espinal, his fiance, passed out, uh, and he was with their three year old son. Tyreek was not home when he called, but that was not anything new. KCTV5 made it sound like it was. A major update when it was, and I think this is now them kind of trying to bask in the ratings because everybody is on pins and needles wanting to know, you know, what's next, what what else happened in this situation. Um, let me say this: as the week went on, the criticism as to why Kansas City had not released Tyreek Hill yet continued to grow, and as much as I had wanted that to happen as well, uh, as did many Chiefs fans. I did say that the Chiefs need to verify some things in the audio. They probably needed to speak to Tyreek Hill, his agent, his attorney, maybe even the NFL before making this kind of a move. But And there was also talks uh, on as late as Sunday night that Tyreek Hill was expected to be put on the NFL, uh, excuse me, on the NFL's commissioner's exempt list. Obviously, a lot's happened since then. That has not been the case. Uh, but some wondered. That given what's going on with Kareem Hunt right now with the Browns, there's a lot of positive publicity with the Browns and with Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt's getting a second chance. The Browns are a much better football team with Kareem Hunt and Odell Beckham Jr. and uh, the great rookie season Baker Mayfield had going into his sophomore season now, now that he's had a year of experience under his belt. There's a lot of positive publicity around the Browns right now. And some Chiefs fans had thrown out the potential narrative that because this is the reaction that Kareem Hunt's getting, is there any chance that Tyreek Hill could get that? Uh, And people are wondering because the reaction from fans did change. Uh, Everyone wanted Kareem Hunt released the moment that video came out. Uh, And I shouldn't say everyone, a majority of the people, a few people came to his defense because of what could have been said or who who approached who first, but a wide majority uh, said Kareem Hunt uh, had to go. But after the AFC Championship game, after the Super Bowl, a lot of people said, man, maybe the Chiefs overreacted. And I guess that's an easy thing to say because of the outcome of the AFC Championship game. Maybe if things ended differently for Kansas City season, if they hoist the Lombardi Trophy, then perhaps we're not even talking about this at this point. But... Uh, That was brought up that some fans wish the team did not release Kareem Hunt. So are the Chiefs trying to prevent another overreaction here? That was a big discussion about uh, Tyreek Hill as the week went on. 
Well, fast forward to Thursday afternoon, a big twist in this story and investigation. Tyreek Hill's attorney sent a letter that's a little more than three pages long to the NFL, clarifying some of the context in the audio. Addressed the punching uh, that Tyreek didn't necessarily deny in the audio, uh, but the attorney is calling that, uh, the attorney is referring to the audio a secret recording uh, but he talked about the punching that was brought up in the recording. Tyreek does not, uh, or has not, excuse me, ever punched his son. And I guess the explanation to that was that he uses a finger or two to maybe tap him a little bit r- roughly and, and says, hey, man up or don't cry. Uh, the quote-unquote punching and quote getting physical. Uh, Tyreek Hill did mention getting physical with him. That was apparently in reference to dressing up as, according to the attorney, Marvel characters when they dress up as, you know, Spider-Man, Iron Man, and they have a a fake fight. You know, I mean, they're 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 they're, they're playing fight. It's not a real fight, obviously. Tyreek is apparently again, according to the attorney, tagging him when they get physical. I mean, that's look, that's a normal thing. If your kid likes Spider-Man or Maybe even pro wrestling a little bit. Okay, so you do the, you know, fake fighting a little bit. Maybe you tag him a little. You obviously don't get completely physical. I guess that's what Tyreek Hill meant when he said, quote, getting physical with him. But, I I mean, I guess to my knowledge, and I hope I'm not the only one who thinks this way, that's not necessarily getting physical, but that's what he called it. Uh, So, again, that's according to the attorney. Uh, the attorney did not, however, defend the you should be terrified of me too comment, followed by the derogatory term. Uh, did not defend him on that and said he should have definitely uh, been more wise with his words there. Uh, I will just say this. I'm not quite sure why the attorney sent a letter to the NFL. I don't suppose that's a bad thing in this situation, but shouldn't he have sent the letter to the DA, the Johnson County District Attorney, Jeff Howe? Because he's the one that ultimately is, his call holds a lot of weight for the NFL and the Chiefs. Now, I'm not saying, you know, it's wrong to send it to the NFL. He could have sent it to both, for all I care. But I feel like, I mean, the NFL's not going to do anything until the DA gives his final word on this. Which, apparently, according to KCTV5 last Friday, and even Andy Reid said this following up with that, that the investigation reopened. However, Therese Paler said that, according to his sources, uh, sources with Yahoo Sports, that the investigation had not reopened, which I think is interesting. That I think is interesting. Uh, not sure what to believe there. Uh, not saying Therese is a liar. I mean, Therese is a fantastic reporter. I think his reporting holds a lot of weight. So I, I'm just saying I'm not quite sure which direction to go in here with that uh because kctv5 reported that and andy reed had confirmed that uh maybe andy reed was just going off the kctv5 report that's one thing to consider uh now the biggest part i did not get into yet this is the big plot twist in the story tyreek's attorney said they had a forensic examiner look at tyreek hill's text messages with crystal dating back throughout the period before and during the investigation Hundreds of pages of text messages documenting the entire conversations, and it has been verified that none of these text messages were deleted, or there weren't other deleted text messages. Um, 
according to the examiner, the conversations were friendlier uh, and there was no derogatory name-calling or arguing in these text messages. Seems like it's far more amicable than what we had heard in the audio. Now, uh, although uh, this is um, a straight quote from the attorney's letter, he says, quote, although Miss Espinal claims in the secret audio to have never used a belt to discipline their child, Tyreek argued that she did, and she admitted she admitted it to him. In fact, in text messages between her and Tyreek, she admits that she caused marks to their son's buttocks when she spanked him. Her texts to Tyreek after their return from Dubai include the following exchange related to the spanking. Here's a text from Tyreek to Crystal. Crystal, you know I didn't cause any bruising or harm to our son, but for some reason I still may be charged. Crystal then responds, I know you didn't, I did, I hurt our son, I'm the one who, uh, that did it, I was hurt and mad, so I blamed you for everything. That is pretty huge to the story. That is a major game changer to everything up to this point. And look, I was the first one to go on social media immediately when this came out and said, hey, I judged too quickly. I was wrong. In fact, we have a thread about this on our Facebook page that people are admitting that they were wrong to this and they're apologizing. There are some, by the way, who are, as soon as the story came out, the first thing they wanted to do is quickly let everyone know that they were jumping to conclusions. This is what's wrong with social media sometimes is instead of talking about the subject, people first would rather let people know they were wrong on a subject. I get this sometimes. When I criticize a player on, on the podcast or on social media or on an Arrowhead Addict article, I'll get criticized by people and then they tag the player to that tweet. It's like, look, you do that, but if I would ever praise a player or say anything positive about them, you would not be tagging them on social media. Social media is this toxic cesspool that everybody just wants to let everyone know they were wrong or if someone makes one slight mistake in a tweet about you know some stat or or any fact whatsoever people just go crazy about it but uh neither here nor there i just had to rant about that on social media because that's how people are sometimes um but you know i admit it to to being judgmental and a lot of people did look when you hear that kind of audio human nature will will do that to you not saying it was right of me or anyone else who did uh or at least the people who are being honest to the fact that they judge too soon but um hey look uh it is what it is and at the end of the day we are getting new information uh i will just say this uh this does have an impact on the situation legally and with the nfl and the chiefs this does obviously help Tyreek Kill's case. Uh, this nearly clears his name from abuse charges in a big way. Now, from the NFL standpoint, Tyreek Kill is not fully in the clear, and here's why. Regardless of your opinion on Florio, I know Florio and Lockenfora. I, I mean, Lockenfora is a hypocrite, so don't worry about him. I know Florio; he's been very uh, vocal about his stance on this and how he thinks it's. Horrific that the NFL would allow uh, a player that could have possibly committed child abuse to stay in the league. Then people criticize him because he wrote an article about Kareem Hunt talking to kids and how coaches are praising him. Look, you can give an opinion, but also write an article about what's happening. Even if that 
if that article, if that story doesn't agree with your opinion. I was kind of confused with people's criticism of Florio's criticism. Uh, but again, uh, n- not the uh, big point here. Uh, but Florio did say in an article on Thursday, and he also said this very early before a lot of the details in this investigation came out, that Tyreek Hill has violated one or maybe more provisions of the NFL's personal conduct policy. And if that's the case, he could face a suspension, even if it is proven that he is innocent in all of this when it comes to abuse charges. That need, that is important to keep in mind. Uh, I have no idea what the suspension would be in terms of how many games, but social media speculation is saying anywhere from two to eight games. And I, I saw someone comment on the Facebook page say that they'll be they'll be shocked if he's suspended without proof folks again keep in mind Tyreek Hill does not have to be charged for child abuse to be suspended here we're talking about the NFL's personal conduct policy this is well let me just say this the NFL's personal conduct policy They have a clear list of examples of what would violate the policy, what is considered a violation of the policy. One of them being, quote, genuine danger to the safety and well-being of another person. And it looks like Tyreek, not necessarily physically involved with his three-year-old son being abused, but he was aware of certain things that had happened. And this district attorney, he said that he knew a crime was committed but didn't have the evidence to charge them. And I think at that point, the questions do go back to the DA. Did Tyreek Hill cover up for his fiance? Uh, because for a while, we thought it was his fiance covering up for Tyreek Hill. Now it seems like it could be the other way around. And because of that, Tyreek Hill could face some consequences because of that. And that would lead to a violation of the NFL's personal conduct policy. So. There could still be, I would say at this point, a 90% chance that Tyreek Hill gets suspended. Now, Tyreek Hill is currently still suspended by the Chiefs. No one knows where the Johnson County DA is with his investigation, nor the child services, uh, because they also launched their own investigation. We still have to wait on them, and I think the Chiefs are going to wait on them before lifting the suspension. But at this point, at this rate... I think we can assume Tyreek Hill's team and post suspension will end soon. I would say maybe give it a week or two. I think he's going to return to practice. A suspension will come down at some point. But the NFL, let me just say this about the NFL. They take forever sometimes handing out suspensions. Uh, there are many examples of this. I think the best example I can give, if you remember Sean Smith, formerly of the Chiefs, he went to Oakland for a little bit. He had his DUI charge. That happened in April of 2014. And his three-game suspension was not handed out until July, 15 months after that incident. And there were a lot of reports that uh, were confused, saying that, oh, this was an incident from April of 2015. It was actually April of 2014. So again, 15 months passed by before the NFL officially gave a three-game suspension to Sean Smith. So I don't know when we're going to hear from the NFL in terms of a suspension for Tyreek Hill. Maybe it happens this year. Maybe it doesn't. It just depends on how fast or how slow they work on this case. From a football standpoint, with where Tyreek Hill is right now, as far as a contract goes, we know that the Chiefs were very close to extending Tyreek Hill. Uh, There were reports of that. The Chiefs may eventually extend him, just probably won't be this offseason, especially with a 
possible suspension on the way. And I think the Chiefs need to play it safe and make sure that if they do extend him, that in the contract, uh, it would help their case to say, listen, if he does get charged down the road for something else, then if something else comes up, because at this point, Tyreek had the college incident. Now he ha- he has this. Not that he's guilty of, of child abuse, but the fact that he's even tied into all this, the way it all happened, it's never a good sign. And it's not fair to the Chiefs to be in this position. So they've got to put some language in the contract that, hey, look, if something does happen and you do get charged, there will be a lot of voids in your contract and it won't be guaranteed afterwards. Um, they can always franchise tag him after this uh, this season, upcoming season, um, maybe trade him. I know there was that report. I know fans don't want to hear this, but here's what I'm going to say. Never rule out anything at this point. Um, there was that report in mid to late March that the Chiefs had considered trading Tyreek Hill. I mean, not exactly sure if that, this was before they learned, uh, if they had knew about this before it was public and they had learned about this already. I, I don't know. That's not clear at this point. Um, but again, you know, I just think we got to say, Hey, look, everything's on the table right now. I think the chiefs may be a little nervous handing out a a long-term contract to him, given what just happened. But maybe if they let him play out the last year of his rookie deal and assuming he has another great season, even with a suspension, uh, then perhaps the chiefs will say, Hey, look, we're, we want to keep you here long-term. We want to extend you, but we're going to put a lot of language in the contract that protects us in case something comes up and something happens to you if you're charged with anything. I, I, I Look, I think for Tyreek Hill, that's got to be a fair case right there. Drew Rosenhaus' agent has got to say, hey, that's all fair game right now because an organization has to protect, protect themselves too, folks. Uh, let's keep that in mind. They're about to dish out millions and millions of dollars to a really rare athlete, a special athlete in Tyreek Hill. So they've got to they've got to be very careful of this. And if they want to trade him, well, they can use the franchise tag. And if they say, "Hey, we can't take the risk of bad PR because he could be involved in something else," then uh, so be it. I don't think that trade will happen. But again, never rule anything out. I say it's a slim chance. By the way, I do want to say one other thing. If you want to talk about the the story, I think that's fine. But I'm seeing so many people who are criticizing his fiance in a very personal matter and saying Tyreek Hill should leave her. In the attorney's letter, they, he does mention separation, but they were holding hands when they went into court. I don't know if they were trying to cover that up by holding hands. I, I'm not sure. I know she's currently pregnant with twin girls, and I'm not quite sure uh, you know, how they're going to handle that in their family matter going forward, but that's none of our business. Let me just make that clear, because people are wanting to comment on that. I'm sure the people involved will do something to make sure that the three-year-old plus these soon-to-be-born twins, I'm I'm sure people are going to keep a close eye on both of them, but to give out advice as to what he should do in his relationship, if he should leave her or give her another chance, I mean, I didn't know everyone all of a sudden turned into Dr. Laura Schlesinger. I mean, I'm seeing everyone give out all these relationship advice, like everyone's turned into Dr. Lore's radio program. I mean, come on. Uh, I say discuss it, uh, the story with what we know, but the personal matter is leave it up to them because it's all see. I guarantee you, you know, the 53 players on the Chiefs, whoever those 53 will be uh, in September, I guarantee you one of them outside of Tyreek Hill 
it, they deal with some some rough matters in their uh, relationship, whether it's with a girlfriend, a fiance, or a wife. Um, I mean, look, there are I'm, I'm sure there are active NFL players who have gone through divorces before. Maybe some of them are in rough relationship, but that's not our place to discuss those things. I, I, I think you know we can discuss certain things. I think certain topics are are fair to to talk about, but. To to hand out advice as to what he should do in his relationship, that's none of our business. And I've said this all along. People people think they they work for the CIA sometimes, uh, going on their Instagram pages, seeing that they took down photos of each other. I, I've gotten tweets and Facebook posts and emails. People are saying, did you notice that sh- uh, Crystal turned off her Instagram comments? <laughs> Why do I care? And more importantly, why do you care? Why do you? Why are you stalking her on Instagram? I'm not sure why people are, you know, with a telescope watching every single move they make on social media. I mean, look, I, I've noticed Tyreek Hill's been quiet, but let it go, man. Uh, I'm sure they'll figure it out on their own. They don't need Twitter. The, thousands of people on Twitter who don't even know these two to give out advice. So I think they'll figure it out on, on their own. Uh, as far as the football standpoint on the field, that that is worth getting into right now because we haven't really discussed what could happen to the Chiefs. We did mention that the Chiefs, they may not be the third highest scoring offense in NFL history without Tyreek Hill again. However, Assuming Tyreek Hill is cleared, he gets his two or four game suspension. I think it'll be a two game suspension, but that's just my guess. Don't quote me. You've got a hell of an offense on the field. You have two Tyreek Hills now. McCole Hardman, your other Tyreek Hill, and you've got obviously Tyreek Hill himself. McCole Hardman has had a lot of comparisons to Tyreek Hill and a lot of other speedy receivers in the NFL. You've also got Sammy Watkins. I know he's not the most reliable in terms of staying healthy, but you've got Sammy Watkins on your team. You've got Demarcus Robinson who I've been saying for years is an underrated wide receiver. And with Chris Conley gone, he's going to have more of an opportunity in Kansas City. You've got the best tight end in the NFL in Travis Kelsey. You've got Damian Williams, Carlos Hyde, Daryl Williams, and you just drafted Darwin Thompson. And I mentioned all those names because, look, let's face it, Damian Williams is the rightful starter. But no matter who you start at running back, they all thrive under Andy Reid's offense. They're all going to thrive under Andy Reid's offense. I cannot think of one running back that has struggled under Andy Reid, whether it was here in Kansas City or in Philadelphia. So let's go back to the topic of, you know, are the Chiefs, if they were to let go of Tyreek Hill or if he was banned from the NFL, are the Chiefs still a the type of offense that can be the third highest scoring offense in NFL history? That type of offense, again, now that narrative is going to turn into can they be that type of offense again can they do even more Patrick Mahomes has a great chance at another 50 touchdowns and 5,000 passing yards which we've never seen a quarterback do it more than once now to clarify let's look back real quickly Brady and Manning and Mahomes fits this bill as well they've all had one season where they had uh, 5,000 passing yards in one season where they had 50 or more touchdown passes. Drew Brees, he's never thrown for 50 touchdown passes, but he did throw uh, five 5,000-yard passing seasons. Uh, Roethlisberger's did it once, the 5,000 passing yard mark. Stafford did it once. Marino did it once. 
Um, it's happened only 11 times in NFL history, and Mahomes is tied for the youngest to achieve that, along with Dan Marino. Now, if I'm not mistaken, only Mahomes and Manning are the only two quarterbacks to have 50 touchdowns and 5,000 passing yards in the same season. Brady did have 50 touchdowns and 5,000 yards. The 50 touchdowns was the year where they almost went 19-0. The 5,000 yards, I think that came in 2011. So he didn't do that the same year. So basically what we're looking at is Mahomes could be the second quarterback to have multiple 5,000-yard seasons. It's never been done on multiple occasions outside of Drew Brees. I mean, look what you have right now on your football team. I'm going to repeat it one more time. You have two Tyreek Hills. McCall Hardman being the other one, who you just drafted. Sammy Watkins. Again, I think given that there are so many reliable targets on this football team, I haven't even read all of them yet as I repeat this list. Uh, I don't think that there's pressure on Sammy Watkins to perform at a high level on a consistent basis as much. Because even though he doesn't statistically dominate, his presence still does help other players out there. Tyreek Hill, he's had a couple of games where he's statistically not doing well, but that's because defensive backs are closing in on him, double-teaming, triple-teaming him. That opens the door for guys like Kelsey and Watkins and Robinson, and last year with Conley, who's moved on to Jacksonville. Uh, DeMarcus, I just mentioned Robinson. Uh, I, again, I think he's going to do more now that Chris Conley is no longer on the team. Travis Kelsey, I, he's just going to continue to do his thing. I know it was very brief, but for less than an hour, he did hold the record for... Most receiving yards by a tight end in NFL history. I think all of these players that I'm naming, they deserve a lot of credit for it, as does Mahomes. And because both of these guys, their pass catchers and Mahomes, are great at what they do, they help one another. And because there are so many great pass catchers on this football team, defensive coordinators and all these defensive players, they have no idea how to stop this kind of football team. Keep in mind, the worst football game the Chiefs had as far as offensive output goes in 2018, that was against the Cardinals, the worst team in the NFL who held the Chiefs to 26 points. That was the fewest amount of points the Chiefs scored in a single game this year. They never lost the game by more than seven points this past season, if I'm not mistaken. They lost to the Patriots by just three points, game-winning field goal, they lost to the Rams by three points. Uh, lost to the Chargers by one, and they lost to Seattle by one, and then they lost to the Patriots again by six points. They didn't kick the PAT because it's overtime, touchdown wins the game. So you were never blown out either. So here's Kansas City in a nutshell right now. You have this insane offense, uh, especially with Tyree Kill's name being cleared right now. And... This is a team that, offensively speaking, didn't really struggle last year. Even in games where Mahomes was statistically quiet, this team still moved the football. It's not like Mahomes and the offense was shut down. I think the two worst halves of football I've seen from the Chiefs, both of them in the first half against the Patriots in Week 6 on Sunday Night Football, and again against the Patriots on uh, in the AFC Championship game, uh, when they were shut out in the first half. I believe that was the first time the Chiefs were shut out under Andy Reid in the first half. Uh, unless there is a game, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking about that Pittsburgh game. Um, 
on Sunday Night Football a couple of seasons ago uh, when Jamal Charles returned, briefly. Uh, but I could have sworn CBS put a graphic up saying it was the first time that uh, a Chiefs offense was shut out by Andy Reid uh, or by an opposing team in the first half under Andy Reid. Uh, but you get the idea. This Chiefs offense has hardly struggled under Patrick Mahomes, under center. I mean, this is this is something. Even Brady had some really rough moments in 2018. Now, obviously, it didn't matter in the long run because they won the Super Bowl. But you get the idea. Now, why did the Chiefs lose those five games, including the AFC title loss? Well, it was their defense. Their, their, their defense didn't help them out a whole lot. And now that this defense, they're starting to... Make some improvements. I don't think it's guaranteed, although I'm making the bold prediction that it will happen. This is not a top 10 defense, and some wonder, could this be a top 20 offense? I think it's valid to question that at this point. I think it does happen. I certainly don't think they're going to finish 31st again. So you know this defense is going to improve. Now, that's that's not to say maybe Mahomes has a game where he has one or no touchdowns and throws three to four picks. Listen, even the best players have a terrible game once in a while. It happens to Brady, happens to Breeze, happens to Roethlisberger, everybody. So it's going to happen at some point with uh, Mahomes. It's going to happen a couple of times in his career. But for right now, you don't have a lot to worry about with this offense. I think the offensive line may be a question mark there, especially at center with Reeder. Is he ready to take over the starting reins? Maybe, but this isn't an offense that you have to worry about. The defense, I think they're not gonna. They're gonna have some issues. They're not gonna be perfect, but they'll they'll make improvements. And at the end of the day, this Chiefs team and their worst loss was seven points to Seattle. That's what we're talking about right now. More domination on the way. So the Tyreek Hill situation right now has taken a big big turn, and now you're looking at this football team. You're you're thinking Super Bowl again because you know Tyreek Hill does that to your offense. He adds so much flexibility. And because you have more power and a guy like Sammy Watkins, Robinson, Kelsey, you know, running backs are just great under Andy Reid. It's always going to be beneficial to your offense. And you never know with Mahomes, whether he's looking or not, whoever he's passing to. Um, It's good news for the Chiefs. Now, at this point, we just got to wait for the DA. I mean, apparently the investigation has never reopened. Uh, but the child services investigation, that never was concluded. That was still ongoing, if I'm not mistaken. So we got to still wait on them. Uh, but I think the end of this investigation is is near. I, the light's at the end of the tunnel. There's good news for Tyree Kilt. So uh, from a football standpoint, this is good news. Uh, but we do have to keep in mind, look, let's be mindful of the fact that there was a three-year-old who was abused in all of this, and they got to give him the proper care. And I think Tyreek Hill, he's got some things to figure out on his own as well. Um, but hopefully this is a lot lesson learned for everybody involved. Um, you never want to see a, a three-year-old go through this. You never want to see a kid go through this, especially when they're so young and, and they're not able to speak up for themselves. They can't defend themselves. Um, it's, it's a horrific situation to even see unfold. So hopefully they figure that that all out. And Tyreek Hill, you know, hopefully he can figure out what's going to happen between him and his three-year-old son. Can he get custody back? Uh, and what They did temporarily lose custody, both he and his fiance. So hopefully he can get his son back and uh, return to the field, uh, the practice field at least for the time being, as soon as possible. 
Now, one player who's not on the field uh, for voluntary practices, that is Chris Jones, defensive end for the Chiefs, likely to convert to a defensive tackle in this 4-3 system that the Chiefs are going to have in 2019. Uh, Look, I I don't think this is a serious issue right now that Chris Jones is not at voluntary practices. Is it a story? Yes, it's absolutely a story. Uh, We all know why he's not there, and it has to do with the fact that he wants a new deal. The question to me right now is, is this something that will carry over to training camp, him not being there? Because training camp, yeah, sure, it's uh, it, you, you are required to be there. However, we, we have seen players hold out and wait until they've, they, they have a new deal. Is that going to be the case with Chris Jones? What if he and his agent, um, I believe Michael Katz's agent, what if they don't come to some sort of an agreement by the time training camp starts in late July, which we don't know the date yet, but that's approximately the time that training camp will start for the Chiefs. What happens then? Is Chris Jones going to still attend training camp, or will he hold out? The guy had a hell of a season. Third most sacks in the NFL this year, and robbed of a Pro Bowl bid, for sure. But we don't need Pro Bowl bids to determine whether or not this guy deserves a big deal. He certainly does. And given that you have Frank Clark on your team and he's going to be around for five more years, or five years, I should say, you want to have Chris Jones right next to him. Chris Jones and Frank Frank Clark are going to line up next to each other and that will be a terrible group for offensive linemen to deal with for years. So you want to have Chris Jones on your football team because that will definitely help your defense for years to come. Even if you don't have a good secondary, right now Kansas City secondary, outside of Tyron Matthew, I think you can still question as to whether or not they'll get the job done. But with a good pass rush, with a good front defense there, it's always going to help your case. It's always going to help your defense. So that is uh, the only thing I'm concerned about. Would this be something that carries over to training camp? Because you want Chris Jones long-term right next to Frank Clark. And again, I'm excited to see that duo quite a lot. And I think that's going to help this Chiefs defense. And going back to what we were saying about how this, de- how this team, their worst loss was seven points, even with a terrible defense, allowing that many yards. That's good news for this team moving forward, adding Frank Clark and having Chris Jones next to him. A pair of Chiefs signed one-day contracts and announced their retirement. Jamal Charles doing so, and Derek Johnson doing so. By the way, I shared this on the uh, Facebook page, and I retweeted it as well. Jamal Charles, uh, he gets a, he, in his in his suit, gets uh, a handoff from Patrick Mahomes. In fact, he and Patrick actually have a conversation, and again, I shared that on the Facebook page. Check it out if you haven't. Uh, they're talking, they're both, they, they both played college football in the state of Texas, and Mahomes has this, uh, Interesting story about how he uh, was a Longhorns fan. He does have the uh, Longhorn Jamal Charles jersey, and he had uh, wore that uh, before he went to Texas Tech, which is pretty cool to hear that story. Uh, man, these guys were one one season apart from, from being teammates, and Jamal Charles even mentioned that would have been a crazy fantasy football team to have. Jamal Charles on one uh, in the backfield and Patrick Mahomes under center. But, you know, it's one of those things where, hey, uh, you're just going to have to use your imagination for those kinds of things. But uh, those guys have a friendly conversation, which is very cool to see. Uh, one legend talking to another uh, to-be legend, uh, which is very cool to see. 
Uh, and Derek Johnson also announced his retirement, although I don't think it's been official yet with the Chiefs. I know the Jamal Charles story, it took a day before they they made it official, uh, but it, it is expected to happen uh, if the Chiefs have not officially announced it already. Uh, look, two guys that really made an impact on this franchise, Jamal Charles and Derek Johnson, both, by the way, very similar careers. Both of them, very slow starts to their careers. Jamal Charles, he had to wait a little bit before he could really get more playing time. Larry Johnson was ahead of him, and Larry Johnson got in a little bit of trouble, so we saw Jamal Charles get some snaps uh, his rookie season in 2008, but still, he was near the bottom of the depth chart, shockingly, under Todd Haley, and eventually, when they released Larry Johnson, Jamal Charles took over, and he started dominating, and he became the uh, all-time leading rusher in franchise history. Derek Johnson, very similar story. Did play a lot early on, but was not doing as well as the team had expected him to do. And eventually, he picked it up with that uh, Broncos game. Games where the uh, both guys, Jamal Charles and Derek Johnson, destroyed the, uh, the Broncos. Uh, J- uh, Charles ran for 256 yards. Johnson had two pick sixes. And even though that was a, a a game where you finished with your fourth win of the season, it still at least ended a very bad year with a good taste in your mouth, and that carried over to 2010. And even cooler, you knocked out your division rivals from playoff contention. That was when Josh McDaniels was the head coach uh, that year. And the Chiefs, uh, I, mean, I mean, that was one of the best games I have ever seen in Chiefs history. I know it was not a good season nor a memorable season, but... 256 yards from Charles and two pick sixes from Derek Johnson. And if I remember correctly, Johnson was the 25th player in NFL history to have a pair of interceptions uh, back for touchdowns. Uh, At that point, only 25 players had done that. So that was very cool to see. And uh, big congratulations to those two as they are going to enjoy retirement. Uh, By the way, this is kind of, Interesting and kind of funny too. Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey have some contests you can enter. Travis Kelsey's a little interesting. So I don't know exactly how these contests work, but I guess you can enter to uh, have a chance to have Travis Kelsey show up to your wedding. Let me just say this. I'm not a married man. I have a couple of friends who are married. I know this much, man. The the, the wedding is about the wife. It's, it's, It's her special day. And it is a day to celebrate the bride and the groom. If Travis Kelsey shows up, I'm sorry, but nobody cares about the bride and the groom anymore. Everyone just cares about Travis. Everyone's going to want to take pictures with Travis Kelsey. Everyone is going to, all the women are going to leave their dates to dance with Travis Kelsey at at this point. Um, Everyone's pretty much going to focus on Travis Kelsey. So look, it's cool. Yeah, Travis Kelsey at your wedding, but... Let's be honest, uh, when you have a wedding, is it the point to have the wedding be about the bride and the groom? I, I mean, again, I'm not a married man, so I don't know. That's why I'm asking you guys. Uh, Patrick Mahomes has kind of a cooler contest. Uh, so he's teaming up with Omaze, and you can enter um, to be uh, to put your name in a drawing to play against Patrick Mahomes in Madden 20. He's going to be on the cover of Madden 20, which is going to be cool. Now, at this point, Mahomes is just kind of having fun with the uh, with the promo. He says, look, if you beat me in Madden, maybe I'll show you how to throw a no-look pass in Madden or how to 
how to how to throw for uh, uh, five thousand yards, how to how to throw deep bombs. Yeah, I mean, you can tell just how. I mean, how can you hate this guy? Um, I, I I don't know anyone that could hate this guy at this point. I just don't. I, even Raiders fans can't hate him. Uh, but Mahomes uh, has a pretty cool contest of his own where you can play against him in Madden twenty before the. I guess I, I think long before the game is even released, or maybe it happens sometime this summer. I'm not exactly sure, but. There's that as well. Speaking of Patrick Mahomes, something unfortunate did happen involving Mahomes where his address was leaked. Uh, it was first leaked. I know in the intro of the podcast, I mentioned it was a local TV station, but it was actually first by the Kansas City Business Journal. Now, with all due respect to the Kansas City Business Journal, I follow them on Twitter. How many people in Kansas City read the KC Business Journal? Because I don't. I've never read... A single letter from the business journal. And that's not any disrespect to them. I I don't even know where you can pick up the business journal. I just follow them on Twitter for any news that they might have. And they did run a story about the new home that Patrick Mahomes purchased. And it includes Patrick's home address. KMBC Channel 9 in Kansas City. They ran a story pretty much sourcing the business journal. But because they're a televised station... They were showing, you know, the inside of his house. The I, 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 I asked you guys on social media. This is according to you guys because I never saw this. But somebody had told me that they showed photos of the new home and then they showed the address. I have not seen an apology from either one. I noticed that the Business Journal, I don't know what they tweeted, but whatever they tweeted has been deleted. Now, a lot of people are saying, what's the issue? Because you can look up his personal address, his home address, online. Folks, you're right, you can do that, but that doesn't make it right to publish on a media platform. When you're Channel 9 or the Business Journal, when you have that kind of a following, it doesn't make it right to to make these things public. Uh, look, you, I, you can find some of my... In fact, you can find, I'm not going to say where, um, but my... Cell phone number is out there somewhere. Now, I'll let you stalkers go find out where that is if you care to do so. Um, I'll just block your number if you call. But, uh, you know, there is information from my end that is out there. In fact, I'm sure the media, doing their research, they have found out Tyreek Hill's home address, but not going to post it because of obvious reasons. But they're using that for investigation purposes. Uh, The mayor of Kansas City. Sly James, you can find some of his personal information out on the web. I'm sure you can find some very personal information about Barack Obama if you use the necessary tools. And these are not illegal websites, to be clear. I mean, these are all public information websites that anybody and everybody can use. But still, it doesn't make it right for the media to publish this information. Never makes it right. I, I don't see the the need to even have done that. You Again, I'm not sure in what context the address was revealed. If it was in part of the the uh, house listing. But should have at least blurred it. And look, nobody from Channel 9 should be fired from this. There have been far worse incidents that people in the media have done and have not been fired from it. So I think, you know, someone does need to suffer the consequences for it at Channel 9. But... To hand out the consequences, move on.
and maybe send a personal apology to Patrick and his girlfriend. I know his girlfriend, Brittany Matthews, uh, she had uh, she had vented about this a little bit on her Twitter. By the way, if you don't, um, I mentioned my weight loss on this podcast and on the social media pages. Uh, if you are interested in fitness or if you're looking to get in better shape, go follow Brittany Matthews on Instagram. She puts out, I, I believe she is a fitness instructor. I could be wrong. Someone let me know on that. Is she or is she not a fitness instructor? But she puts out a lot of really cool fitness posts, uh, some workouts that you can do on her Instagram page. So if you're inclined to check that out, go uh, look at her Instagram page. But she did vent on uh, Twitter a little bit about you know the privacy and all. Uh, look, I, I suppose a lot of kids are going to be showing up to his home on Halloween. Um, you know, I mean, this stuff is public knowledge to to a lot of people. Let me just say this. If you guys remember Ben Zobrist, he was with the Royals in 2015. He, they traded for him that year. He won the World Series. The following year, he went to the Chicago Cubs, and he had a big moment in Game 7 in extra innings where he uh, batted in the game-winning run. He got the game-winning RBI uh, in that uh, in that World Series. And because of that, he was named the World Series MVP the following morning there was a huge line outside of his house from fans that wanted to take pictures and get his autograph. Uh, look, I mean, it's 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 not Jared Allen. Uh, when I lived in Overland Park gr- growing up, I re- before Jared Allen became Jared Allen, I do re- I, I recognized him when my brother and I and a couple of friends we went to his house on Halloween once for for uh, <laughs> to, to to trick or treat. Uh, but I don't think a lot of people recognized him. Now, I think eventually he moved out, and once he became a bigger deal, he moved to maybe a a more gated area. Uh, I knew of where Matt Castle lived when he lived in Kansas City. Um, I mean, there are a few Chiefs players who I knew about because of residents nearby. I mean, uh, some of their kids went to my school or they went to elementary school with my brother. Uh, I'm a few years older than my brother, so I knew about some of the Chiefs players where they live, but no media outlet ever has a reason to publicize their address. And if there is some sort of a criminal occurrence that goes on at their home, well, you don't post their address, but you say on the block of where it happened uh, because they're public figures. Look, I don't know how it is for public figures in LA when you've got that kind of paparazzi, the media there, uh, TMZ. I mean, there there are some... Sticky rules, and the media knows that. Listen, I don't know if people knew this, but if TMZ wanted to, they can take pictures of your home as long as they are not in the driveway. If they're standing on the street, they are allowed to take as many photos of you as you want. If they can see you through your house window, doesn't make it right. Now you can call the police and say, "Hey, look, the media is harassing me here. They they won't stop taking pictures." Then they they could show up and do something about that, but. Uh, a lot of people in the media, I mean, they know the ins and outs with these kind almost like Bill Belichick knows with rules in the NFL. That's the best comparison I can give, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think the business journal nor channel nine had any reason nor any business to make that public. It's unfortunate, but hopefully nobody, by the way, I, I've seen Patrick and his girlfriend on Instagram. They post a lot. They post some pictures of their, their dogs. I believe they have a pit bull. I could be wrong. I mean, they've got a a pretty big dog that loves to run around and 
play a little rough with the other dog. Uh, I mean, if someone's inclined to really stalk Mahomes and show up to his home, uh, you might end up seeing someone else instead of Mahomes. You might end up seeing his dog, and not in a good way. So there's that as well. Uh, a lot we talked about on this podcast. Uh, the Tyreek Hill situation, you know, we got to be mindful. His son, not in the, in the greatest place. Something obviously happened. But it sounds like they're closing in on the true evidence, the facts on all of this. And he could be returning from his suspension very soon. And we've got a really good offense to talk about for the upcoming season. And uh, a couple of other topics we discussed as well. Never too late to get in on the discussion. Facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugi and Twitter.com slash Farzine21. I know uh, because we're going long on time, I did want to talk about uh, venues where we could have the NFL draft. I have my top five spots. I was going to do it on this episode, but instead we're going to save it for Tuesday's episode. And then we'll have another episode on Friday as well. And then after that, we're going to go back to doing a show once a week. So uh, keep that in mind. We'll discuss that on Tuesday's episode. We do have a Facebook post about it right now. The top five spots where an NFL draft could take place in KC. Clark Hunt wants it to happen. He says it's going to happen in the next five years. So I asked you guys, where do you think would be the best spot to have the NFL draft in Kansas City? Nashville had it outdoors in, I guess, one of their downtown venues. And it, it was a pretty big success. A lot of people had, had fun with that. So kind of made me wonder, where where could we have it in Kansas City? I'll give you my top five spots on Tuesday's episode. Let's wrap up the show and go around the NFL. All right, a couple of highlights from the draft. Kansas State, Dalton Rinster, and Missouri quarterback Drew Locke both going to Denver. Uh, a lot of people were surprised that Drew Locke fell. A lot of mock drafts had him going number 10 overall to Denver. Instead, he was taken 42nd overall. Rinster, by the way, 41st. These two players actually went back-to-back picks to Denver. Both uh, local guys in the area. I almost said Big 12 guys, but obviously... Mizzou not, uh, in the SEC now. Uh, look, I, I think Dalton Rinser, a very good versatile offensive lineman for Denver. And when you look at Drew Locke, uh, okay, there, you have Joe Flacco on your football team, but you know there's a reason why Joe Flacco lost his starting job to Lamar Jackson. And Drew Locke is a pretty good insurance policy right now. And listen, obviously, there are things that NFL teams knew about Drew Locke that we didn't know. Heck, we saw Daniel Jones go before Drew Locke. And I'll get to Daniel Jones shortly. But, uh, you know, this goes to show, even though we hear the media and what they say, what their sources say, scouts and GMs are not going to be upfront with the media all the time with these kinds of things, with, with their thoughts on players, because they don't want to give things away. And I think because so many people thought Denver was high on Drew Locke, which I, I'm sure they are, but obviously not high enough to have wanted to take him 10th overall, but still got the quarterback that they had been keeping an eye on about 22 picks later, or 32 picks later. Uh, that's insane. Uh, but hey, good for them. Uh, we'll see what Drew Locke can do if he can prove everyone wrong and prove that he should have been taken 10th overall instead of 42nd. Uh, but Drew Locke on his way to Denver, where you have a very interesting situation at quarterback. And look, you're in a very competitive division. The Chiefs and the Chargers both finished on top of the AFC with 12 wins, more than any other team in the AFC, both from your own division. We don't see that often. Two teams from the same division 
have the most wins in the league or in, in a conference. Denver's got a lot of competition in this division right now. Still a lot of room to grow for Denver, and I think the Raiders got a little bit better in this draft. And Denver uh, is a team that right now is is expected to finish in last place unless Drew Locke turns into a an all-star quarterback. We'll see. Daniel Jones. A lot of people are hoping he can be the next all-star quarterback for the Giants. By the way, looks exactly like Eli Manning. He could easily pass for Eli Swin. If you put Daniel Jones and Peyton Manning right next to Eli Manning, a lot of people would think Daniel Jones is related to Eli over Peyton. Uh, it's it's crazy how how much they look alike, but uh, it seems like the New York Giants are going to follow the Kansas City model, which is where Eli's going to play for one more year, and then Daniel Jones takes over after that. That's what happened in Kansas City. Alex Smith played one more year, Patrick Mahomes took over. Now, the Green Bay model is a little bit different, where Brett Favre, you thought it was going to be for one year, but he played longer than... A lot of people thought, and therefore Aaron Rodgers had to wait his time. Listen, with these contracts and the potential opportunity to grow, you never want to make a player wait for so long because he may not want to renew his contract and he wants to go play elsewhere. So Eli Manning, I think his time will soon come to an end and the Giants can move on with Daniel Jones. And they're using that Kansas City model to to do that. Is that going to work? Not exactly sure. I think there were issues that went beyond Eli Manning. And we'll see if this pushes him to do better, similar to how Alex Smith did when Mahomes got drafted. Let's not forget, Alex Smith had one hell of a year when Mahomes got drafted. Maybe Eli Manning, something similar happens to him, and then they decide to part ways with him after Daniel Jones' rookie season. Uh, Last topic, Josh Rosen traded to Miami who has Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, Look, I'm happy he got traded. I think he deserves a chance elsewhere, but I do think there's pressure on him right now. Year one, bad year for him. Not all of it was his fault. Bad coaching in Arizona. And now he's in year two where he's going to a new system, but he's got a lot of good players to work with around him in Miami. Look at the receiving corp. Devontae Parker, Kenny Stills, former Chief Albert Wilson returning from injury. Mike Geske, who's a very good tight end, and he can do some special things if he's in the right system and has the right quarterback. Uh, He was a second-rounder last year, if I'm not mistaken. So there's a good opportunity for Rosen to prove what he's capable of doing this time in Miami. You saw Ryan Fitzpatrick ahead of you on the depth chart, but look, you traded a second-round pick for Rosen. Uh, I don't think Miami's going to mess around with this for too long. They're going to let him play it out at training camp, but Rosen is expected to be the week one starter. By the way, the the media, there was a huge press conference for Rosen. Obviously, Miami being a big market. Some of the questions were absolutely ridiculous, though. Someone was asking, hey, Josh, do you think you can be a franchise quarterback here? What do you expect him to say? Is he going to say, no, I'm going to be terrible again? I mean, come on. I get certain questions need to be asked, but it's like, you know, uh, if someone were to ask Patrick Mahomes, do you think you can... Have a another season again where you throw 50 touchdowns and 5,000 yards. What do you think he's going to say? No, I, I don't think I'm capable of doing that again. Of course he's going to say yes. He's always he's always going to have that kind of confidence. Any player will. Uh, kind of kind of funny with some of the questions that you hear in press conferences. Let's go out of bounds.
You know, we haven't talked about the NBA playoffs at all on this podcast since they got underway in, in our closing segments, and I think it's worth mentioning right now, Joel Embiid, uh, he's been a lot of fun to watch. Obviously a former Kansas Jayhawk and a lot of people in the area are rooting for the 76ers because of him. He averaged nearly 25 points per game in the sweep over the Brooklyn Nets. And in Game 3 against Toronto, uh, Toronto who's been a very good team this year, scored 33 on Thursday. Embiid, who's really just a gifted athlete overall, does a lot of things at his position that not many people can do. Very good free throw shooter, shoots more threes than a lot of people are able to. By the way, Jimmy Butler, uh, he was mic'd up in this game, or at least the microphones picked him up. I heard this on ESPN Radio today, where... (laughs) Jimmy Butler, he sees Embiid has the ball wide open for a three, and he's telling him, shoot it, shoot it, shoot it. Uh, You're seeing Embiid do things that no other center is capable of doing. I mean, this guy, if you take uh, the game where he attempted the most three-pointers in his NBA career, it's probably more than what most centers have attempted in a career. I think there was one game earlier this year where he shot um, 11 times, from beyond the arc. And I want to say that was against the Pelicans. But regardless, the, the, those 11 attempts, that's more than probably a lot of centers in their careers. Joel Embiid, man, a lot of fun to watch. And someone who is worth continuing to follow as the NBA playoffs continue to move on. Keep in mind, LeBron's not in the East anymore. In fact, he's not even in the playoffs this year. So somebody new is going to emerge from the East. And it's very possible that Joel Embiid could help the 76ers lead leading them to a finals appearance this year. Someone who's not going to appear in the octagon, that's going to be Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar, who lost his WWE belt. I think they call it the Universal title. I could have that incorrect, but he lost in the very first match of WrestleMania last month. And everyone thought, okay, he's on his way back to the UFC. Because he showed up last year... Uh, to confront the winner of the heavyweight title match between Cormier and Stipe Miocic, which Cormier won by knockout. I was there. That was an insane moment. Everybody went crazy when that happened in the first round. Brock Lesnar showed up, uh, and he went inside the cage and had a bit of a back and forth with Cormier, which pretty much was setting up for a possible title match between the two. But Brock Lesnar is retiring from MMA, according to Dana White. Now, could this be leveraged to get Lesnar to come back? I don't know, uh, because it's a pretty big deal. Now, something happened. Either Lesnar wanted way too much money, either he got injured and realized, hey, at, at this age in his 40s, this is no longer a sport for him, or maybe the WWE gave him a pretty big deal asking him not to go back to MMA. I know he just signed a contract with WWE. Uh, or it's possible he may have tested positive again. Keep in mind, uh, he tested positive at UFC 200 in his one-off return, and there was some criticism. Why is Lesnar getting a title shot coming off uh, a win that got overturned because of a banned substance that was in his body? Uh, which I, I've got to say I agree with, but in, in a sport like MMA, man, uh, notable names, they draw a lot of pay-per-view dollars. They just do. And I think that's something you got to consider. But unfortunately, no longer the case. Lester's a very gifted athlete. It's unfortunate that he's taking a a banned substance. At least that's what happened last time. And now he's not returning. And it's going to be one of those things in sports where it's 
we're never going to know what could have been. Lesnar was pretty much going to be given a title shot despite being banned, or, or excuse me, being suspended for a year due to a banned substance. But not going to be the case for Cormier, who really did deserve this match, by the way. But instead, they're going to move forward in the rematch between Cormier and Miocic. And that'll take place in August. Uh, by the way, big news from the NCAA. They have lifted its ban on title games in sports betting states. Meaning, Las Vegas could soon host national championship games, final fours. This is a pretty significant deal. And let's keep in mind with Las Vegas, they recently opened the T-Mobile Arena. I just mentioned that I was there for the uh, UFC event last year. T-Mobile Arena, I've been there a couple of times for a hockey game and a couple of UFC events. It's a beautiful arena. It really is. It's one of the best arenas that I have been to, and I think that needs to be used uh, more often. Uh, Maybe for regionals, and eventually use the new Las Vegas Stadium for a Final Four. The Raiders are obviously going to be moving there uh, pretty soon, and they're going to play in that new stadium. Uh, Not sure if it's going to be ready, but... Uh, That is going to be a stadium where you can use it for a lot of things. I mean, think about this. Vegas and thousands and thousands of seats where you can fill it up and hold a lot of special events. I mean, the two go very well together hand in hand. Uh, Now you can have events like the Final Four, maybe a national championship game in Vegas at the Raiders Stadium. And there are a lot of special things you can do. I know people don't like to hear about the Raiders and all. Yeah, on this podcast at least, but look man, I love Vegas, you guys know me, I, I, I go there a couple of times a year, and I'm excited to see what they can do from a sports perspective with that stadium. As a UFC fan personally, I know they have an exclusive deal for events, uh, pay-per-view events to take place at T-Mobile, but what if they do a one-off one day where they go to the Raiders Stadium? They have hosted events uh, at stadiums before. I believe they did it in Australia, and I think they've done it in Canada too. Uh, it'd be very cool to see them to see them do it at uh, AT&T Stadium in Dallas. I know that's been talked about. Uh, maybe even the Vegas Stadium one day. Uh, that'd be very cool to see, especially if you put on a, a massive card with a lot of big names. Uh, but there are a lot of potential things you can do, especially with the NCAA lifting its ban on. Uh, Title games in sports betting states. Las Vegas, Nevada now uh, a potential home for some big NCAA events. And that'll be a lot of fun to see. Final segment of the show. Let's throw some penalty flags. All right, I got a lot of flags. Uh, Let's start with this one. A New Jersey theme park did a test run with crash test dummies, and the test dummies flew off the roller coaster and into the roof of a neighboring hotel. Uh, I guess the spokesperson uh, had uh, did an interview and said that uh, it was an issue more so with the dummies and not the ride itself. Okay, folks, don't go on this ride. I don't even know what the name of the theme park is, but just don't go on this ride, whatever it is. Remember the Verrucked in the water uh, theme park here in Kansas City, Schlitterbahn? They did a lot of test dummies with that, but there was no way that it looked safe to go on at all. Um, Obviously, there was that horrific incident where there was a a boy in Kansas City who lost his life uh, being on that ride, and two others were with him who suffered injuries. Uh, Look, 
I don't need a test dummy to tell me what's safe and what's not. I have these things called eyes. I can see how steep a certain ride is. And look, if it doesn't look good, I don't think it's worth going on. I can live my life not going on that ride. If there are test dummies flying off, they need to tear that thing down 1,000%. I think now would be a good time to let everyone know I am a wimp and I'm not a roller coaster person. And yes, I am afraid of roller coasters. A lot more scared now than I was as a kid. As a kid, I loved them, but now I'm just super scared. Uh, This is pretty funny. Uh, A Florida Atlantic player was ejected from a spring football game. Florida Atlantic, like many college football teams, they had their spring game recently. And a defensive player by the name of Tim Bonner chased his quarterback, Trent Wessel, out of bounds. Wessel threw the football uh, out of bounds to avoid a loss and to avoid getting hit. But his teammate, Bonner, still tackled him out of bounds anyway. And that led to a big fight. Uh, And Bonner was ejected by his own coaches from the spring game. By the way, guess who his head coach is? It's Lane Kiffin. Remember Lane Kiffin? The same Lane Kiffin in Oakland. The same Lane Kiffin in Tennessee. That Lane Kiffin right there. Um, (laughs) By the way, I didn't realize this. I guess it's more common to see players get ejected from a spring game. Why? That's like getting ejected from baseball practice. I mean, how how did that even happen? Um, but yeah, you're an idiot if you hit your own teammate like that. That's just dumb. I'm all for going hard in practice, but not too hard. Come on, it's he's your teammate. He's your quarterback. How dumb do you have to be to not realize that? Ronda Rousey's ego making a big comeback. Uh, the former UFC bantamweight champion, also former UFC or WWE women's champion. Um... She was criticized by her rival, her UFC rival, Misha Tate, who said on her radio show on Sirius XM that she does not think Ronda is in a happy place with her legacy because there was a uh, documentary that came out where it was celebrating the UFC's 25-year anniversary and Ronda, obviously a, a big part of the UFC, she helped put the UFC on the map in recent years. Uh, she said in, in that documentary, they asked her, you know, what do you think of your legacy? And she responded saying that she doesn't think anyone deserves to hear her feelings about her legacy. Um, I believe she was also quoted recently saying that she doesn't need her MMA fans. Okay, I, I, oh, sure, you don't need your fans. But when you have a new terrible movie coming out with your terrible acting or when you're doing, you know, a, a sponsorship with Levi or Wrangler Jeans, whichever it is that she does, guess what? You're going to need your fans to uh, promote your product because... It is your fans that buy those kinds of things, and they take note in those in those stuff. That's how I mean. That's why Mahomes is getting so many sponsorships today. So don't give this card that you know you're too cool or too good to be public about your opinion on things, or that you don't need fans. I I, don't, I just don't understand why she cannot let it go that she lost two fights, and it's a big deal because she was dominant. The media is allowed to talk about a dominant player, a, a fighter, or a, even a pro athlete, a player in any sport that all of a sudden hits a brick wall. She has to accept the fact that's what happened. Get over it. I mean, you lost. Big deal. Brady's lost. Mahomes is lost. Manning is lost. Everyone's lost. 
by the way, this woman definitely lost. Uh, a woman celebrating her bachelorette party in downtown Nashville where the draft took place. It ruined her bachelorette party. She didn't get all the attention she wanted because everyone was focused on the draft. Nobody was willing to buy her drinks. Because, you know, when people have their bachelor bachelorette party, they kind of become the life of the the bar, I guess, so to say. Uh, but surely she had to have known that there was a draft happening. Maybe she's not from Nashville. I guess some people travel for their parties. But uh, look, uh, the NFL draft announces these things a little more than a year in advance. So it's not like this was announced one week in advance. And there have been advertisements about this for a long time, I'm sure, in Nashville. But all I can say is hopefully she can plan her next bachelorette party more carefully. It's just a joke, people. It's just a joke. Um, this was actually pretty funny. Uh, a man and everyone, it seems like everyone has now seen Avengers Endgame. A man in Hong Kong... Uh, he had seen the movie, and as he's leaving the theater, he sees this big line. Uh, I mean, there are a lot of long lines because everyone's wanting to go see this movie. So he comes up with this genius plan to start shouting spoilers. Oh, this person died. This happened. This happened. This happened. And people got angry, rightfully so. So they start kicking his butt. Police show up, uh, I mean, they're, they're, I'm sure across the country there's a lot of heightened security at movie theaters because so many people are wanting to see this and we know there have been some incidents at movie theaters. So the police at this movie theater shows up and they start asking what's going on, why is there a big fight here? And I guess someone explained, well, this guy spoiled Avengers Endgame and the police said nothing about it. <laughs> they, they said, oh, that's a jerk move thing to do. So they turned their heads and looked in the other direction and said, carry on, no worries. Uh, by the way, I spoiled, <laughs> I fake spoiled Avengers Endgame on my Facebook and DJ Kirby, who I'm friends with on Facebook, he lost his temper. I mean, it's like, dude, relax. I, I have some friends that like came to my defense for this. They're like, dude, he didn't give away anything. Just chill. Um, I'm not going to say what I gave away because then if you haven't seen it, you'll know, oh, okay, this guy doesn't die, but... Uh, by the way, the whole Tyreek Hill situation, some people would just went back and forth about this um, in a not-so-friendly way. So I banned some loser, and then he starts confronting me on my personal page, sending me messages, and started actually sent, started sending death threats. So I was like, you know, this isn't really cool, man. Uh, I mean, come on. It's never anything to, to take lightly. So I responded. I, I played this suspicious card. I go, hey, let's talk about something cool. Are you a, a Marvel Avengers fan? Yeah, and I can tell he he he's, he knows something's up here. I go, have you seen Endgame yet? He's like, no. So I gave everything away to him. <laughs> so I just start sending all these spoilers to him, and I ruined the movie for him. So look, man. I mean, you start sending threats at me, that's what's gonna happen. Uh, it's all fair game, right? That's all I can say. Uh, by the way, the uh, creators of the movie, the Russo brothers, uh, they asked in a in a big letter. They asked fans, do not spoil the game, uh, the Endgame movie, to fans on social media. And they asked all the actors to share that letter as well. And the hashtag was, don't spoil Endgame. Now the Russo brothers are saying on Monday, May the 6th, you can discuss the movie to the full length. 
I guess it's fair game. I mean, why not? Uh, it, it's a pretty big movie. Uh, I mean, people want to talk about it. They do. They really do. And social media is a fun place to go and discuss this. So, May the 6th, your uh, freedom has been given to you to discuss the movie. And I've got to say, man, if you haven't seen any of the MCU movies, watch them in order. Because they do connect with one another and they do a great job with how they did it in order by release date. So do watch it in order. And by the way, if you're not an MCU fan, or if you haven't seen any Marvel movies, pay attention to the mid credit scene and the post credit scene. Because they do it a lot in the MCU. I'm not a fan of this, but they do it anyway. They make you stick around in movie theaters, but if you're watching at home, you got that nice fast-forward button, which is great. Uh, it, it's, it's a really great franchise. It really is. The series is awesome, and I definitely recommend it if you haven't seen it before. Really appreciate all of you guys downloading and listening to this episode of the Chief Zone Podcast. We discussed a lot on this episode. I want to hear your thoughts. Facebook.com slash Farzee Twitter.com slash Farzee21. You can also subscribe to the podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Podbean. And please hit the share button as well. Spread the word to your friends on social media. My name is Farzee Vasugian. Big thanks to all of you for listening to this episode of the Chief Zone Podcast. And we will be back again on Friday. And then after that, we're going to go back to doing the show once a week. Enjoy your weekend. I'll talk to you guys on Tuesday.